Okay, so we had uh, started, guys. By the way, welcome and thank you for coming on our for me Saturday morning call for you guys mostly Friday evenings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so if you know any flat earthers, show them this video <laughs> with the sun shining right behind. So, uh, and by the way, do you hear the birds? No, I don't. Oh, now I hear. Yeah, so we, we have a forest setting here. Uh, actually, in Thailand, it's not a forest so much, and it's not a farm so much. It's an intermingling of the two. Where the forest was never really cleared, people just came in and planted stuff, and then cleared a little bit, and then planted some more, and now it's half wild and half cultivated. So we've got banana trees over there and papayas over there. We just lost a alumni tree. We've got coconut palms, fan palms. Uh, this is a uh, naturally occurring sim tree right here. Are there uh, any avocados there? Oh, yes, absolutely. We have fresh avocados grown, uh, I mean, within 24 hours of picking, we have them open and eating. Nice. They're grown right here <laughs> on the island. And not only that, but they're cheap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here in Mexico, they should be cheap. they should be cheap, but because of the the narcos and all of the organized crime, they are so expensive. But they they taste which, so sweet. Which organized crime that are you talking about? The one that people run away from, or the one they vote yeah. for? Yeah, no, the one that <laughs> everyone run away from. <laughs> <laughs> Is this recording, does it go on YouTube? Yes, do you mind? Yeah, I guess, I guess not. I'll be more uh, careful with what I say, man. Oh, <laughs> well, that's, e <laughs> that's exact. And, and look how many videos have been done. Look how careful I have to be. <laughs> that, that, in fact, another way of saying careful, which sounds like a lot of work, is to be uh let us say to pay attention but even paying has that quality of work so the real easy part is just to be here now which is also paying attention and being careful because you're watching what's going on so all we have to do is take the work out of it and sure be careful <laughs> but be careful easily and happily be careful with the toy because you're going to break it anyway someday if you play with it enough. Scott, what do you have? Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, like, the only reason you feel like a little <laughs> bit, like you might be a little bit embarrassed if something you say goes on YouTube uh -huh. is because you don't realize that everyone who's ever going to watch that video, including yourself, is going to die. And it's not going to... It, it has no like inherent, um, it's not like you're dooming yourself to the permanent record of what you said in this video. Like most uh -huh. likely, most likely most of the people who are gonna watch it are gonna forget about it in like two minutes right after they saw it anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Precisely so. 
uh, probably less than two minutes. But yeah. the uh, another part about that is, is that when this video that is being made now is actually physically published on YouTube, all of the participants who were on that YouTube video are already dead. True. Something new has come by. In fact, there may be some dying and rebirthing right here on this video. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, the the topic uh, that we have for the day is about uh, de you use the word dependent origination, Scott. And the word dependent origination has to really be picked apart in order to even understand what it is when in fact it's really something very simple and that is cause and effect everything ha is a that is affected is affected because and there is the word be caused there is a causality and that it is so deep into our language that the word because is a very common word looking at the idea of cause and effect. Well, there's something a little bit more complicated with it than that, and that is, is that things are not necessarily cause, or there's a, let us say, a spectrum of the word cause that goes from hardcore causing down to conditionality and even down to catalyst. Now, what a catalyst is, is a catalyst will cut, will set two other uh, chemical reactions off while maintaining its own stability. And that's what the job is of a catalytic converter. If a catalytic converter got eaten up by the fumes of a car and we had to replace the catalytic converter very often, then that would be a no brainer. We wouldn't buy them, right? But we do have catalytic converters in the car because they are, in fact, uh, stable. But they do cause a chemical reaction in other chemicals that are part of the smoke. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah, so, so three levels of um, cause and effect. There's direct cause and effect, like let's say um, I roll a marble and it bangs into another marble. Like that marble right, causes the domino. Right, the, the domino. domino. Right. Yeah, That's the domino. The, and, right. And the and the, this is in fact when we get the idea of the domino, we lose much of the complexity of the situation. Yeah. All right. Because and, we think that it's just a direct cause and a direct effect, and that's all there right. is to it. To where things can be much more complicated and sophisticated right. than that when we get down into causality and catalyzing. Yeah. So then the second one conditions that opens up a multiplicity of dimensions in which things are affecting each other so there mm -hmm. can be one condition for something to happen there could be two or there could be an up until an infinite amount of right conditions for something to happen for example Precisely. In, go ahead in order for yeah in order for like ice to melt um the surrounding atmosphere needs to be a certain temperature that that's one condition but uh, also, there's multiple conditions in order for ice to melt. There has to be a certain pressure. If, if it's the right temperature, but the pressure is too hard, the ice won't melt. 
Right. So, now you're getting into science and we're talking about yeah. the conditionality of things rather than, okay, there's many, many examples of that. One of the little simple examples I have is you've got lemonade and all you have to do is add sugar, water, and ice. And now you've got lemonade. Yeah. Okay. What that means is, is that we add whatever lemon that comes by in the moment. We can add joy to it. That's the sugar. We can add nibbana to it. That's the ice, just cool off. And then the water we add to it, which dilutes it, which makes it not as important as it was. When lemon juice is raw, it's really an important taste. But when it's got mixed with water, it's diluted. So that's the whole way then of dealing with the uh, 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 lemonade is the same way we deal with the lemonade in the mind. Okay. We cool off, we put some uh, wind energy in it. That would be also the water to dilute it, take them some deep breaths, cool off. And um, as we cool off, that's the nibbana. So we add the ice, we add the sugar. So those, but neither of those three things directly caused lemonade. It took all four things. Right. Otherwise, you got just sweet water without the lemon. So if we look at it from that perspective, we can see that all there are these all kinds of conditionalities that occur. And this is the thing that we have to look for in the mind, because when people look at the teaching of the Buddha that is called Paticca Samuppada and then translated wrongly as dependent origination, uh, that dependency sounds like that it's a hard cause mm-hmm. and it's not these are conditionalities not causes and it's important when we understand Paticca Samampada how things interrelate and interrelate that way that if we think it is a step-by-step exactly series of events then we, we will not understand the teaching very well because the mind has various components that interact with one another as to form a whole or a unit, very much like, um, oh, you can see that in the body, that there is a whole huge section called digestion. There's a huge section called cardiovascular. There's a huge section called brain. There's a huge section called breathing apparatus and all the muscles that are associated with holding all of that stuff together. And then we got a waste and byproduct system called the kidneys and the liver and uh, pancreas and all of that kind of stuff. And you see that all of these various components fit together to make a human being that you can't just take many pounds of uh, intestines and, and arrange them around in a way to make a human being. You can't do it like that. You've got to have all of these various components. And that's another way of looking at Paticca Samuppada is that there's various components that fit together. Now, if that's the case, then that means that we don't have to consider it, even though it's taught in a certain order that this causes this causes this causes this. Doesn't mean that we have to keep seeing it that way. Now we can see that these things fit together. So the way that Paticca Samuppada starts off is in fact, broken down into two major groups. One group is called the aggregates. There's five of the aggregates. And then 
the result of those five aggregates coming into combination give the rest of Paticca Samuppada in the sense of uh, when something contacts us, we have feelings about it. Those feelings uh, will uh, attract us or repel us. And then so we start to wanting and grasping to get rid of it or to get a hold of it. And then we really want it. So it goes from want to need and from the need that's when we are reborn into a deprived individual because we're in a state of need. Okay, so that's basically the sequence of events that happens. That's the rebirth process is where we are reborn as something needy. And so those are the known as the woeful states. One of the woeful states is hell. Another woeful state is a hungry ghost, and that's the place that many people wind up. Another place, the most frequent for Westerners, is the dumb animal. They don't even know what that dumb animal is, but I can express it in the sense of going along to get along. You do what you're told to do. You don't like it, but you do it anyway. Maybe there's going to be a reward someplace in the future, but right now, in this present moment, this is work. And I don't like it, but I got to do it. Okay, so that's the state of being uh, deprived. And then the other one, the assurers, is the uh, uh, warriors who are all dressed up for battle with no place to go. And they don't want to go to battle. I mean, what warrior actually wants to go to battle? Very rarely is that true. Maybe one or two warriors out of a hundred or so. Maybe a centurion wants to go to battle. Everybody else doesn't want to go to battle. Okay, and so this is the state that we were in. In, a, in some ways, that would mean that if you are very close friends with someone who has done something wrong, rather than coming clean, you would cover for him. That's an example of, uh, of the Asura. Another uh, example of uh, that would be the stage fright that a young child has when he walks out on the stage dressed as a tree and his only line is, I am a tree, and he forgets his <laughs> <laughs> Why? This is called stage fright, butterflies in the stomach, agitation, worry, that sort of thing is uh, the state of, of being afraid, which is different than anger. Then, in fact, you can see that they're close together in the sense that uh, that hell is being desperately trying to get out of a situation that you're in right now and you can't stand it. Really what you're wanting to do is to say, I want you to give me what I want or I want you to agree with me. Right. And I cannot stand it if you don't do that for me. So this is what anger is, is it actually is a state of desperation. Which is what it would actually be like if you were in real hell. If you were in real hell, wouldn't you be really desperate to get out of there? Yeah. So it's a, it's a state of real desperation that works us up into that very heavy-duty survival instinct that's really all based upon fear. Fear is the primary motivator down in there. So let's go back to the Paticca Samuppada and and look at the sequence of events both uh the the basis that it has and then the ending of it or um uh, i'm on a call sorry 
basically what we're talking about is um have you ever heard of general systems theory general, general systems, systems theory right with closed systems and open systems yeah okay and one of the qualities of a system that makes it a system is that the sum is greater than uh or the whole is greater than the sum of the parts in other words you have something that these parts don't mean anything but when you put them together a clock or a car clocks have functionality and when you put these things together then they function in a certain way and if you put them together in another way they'll function differently this is what the whole concept of transformers are all about this is that you make the thing so that you can bend it and twist it and wheels come out and the next thing you know you twist it and now you've got a giant gorilla like uh, tall dude and and all of that kind of stuff is because of the way that things are put together and so uh, let's look at those components and the way that we're going to put them together normally winds up in unhappiness and dukkha and so the five constituent components that the buddha talks about the five aggregates is the body the feeling the mind in breaking down into three ways that is consciousness perception and memories now these are the english language in the pali it's kaya vedana san uh sanya avinya and sankara and the word sankara is actually the word for um all of our memories or all of our stored stuff and that when we start off the sequence of Paticca Samapada, you've probably seen enough of it to know that it starts with ajiva or ignorance. And what that really means is, is that our ignorance conditions us in, in the present moment because we don't know everything. And therefore, this memory now is conditioned by that ignorance. So when I pile one memory after another after another on over and over and over again by piling that stuff up that's the that's the whole story of the uh, sankara that's what that is we can we can easily refer to it in english language as a set of habits a set of um uh memories and that uh, one of the important points is, is that we actually feel generally the way that we have developed our habits of feeling. In other words, instead of actually paying attention to how we feel and choosing how we feel, we just let the old habit run our feelings. This is the way that I felt last time. I'll do it again because uh, that's my normal reaction. My action is just an old action that I've taken before. The pathways are cut in the mind to do all of that. Subroutines are already written, so to speak. We don't have to write a new subroutine. And actually, then the the whole teaching of the Buddha would be um, how to write your own code, how to write your own subroutine so that you can put the code in that you want to have plug up some new stuff rather than using the old software need a software upgrade is the way of saying it okay so this is now uh the way of looking at the five aggregates the body the feelings the sankara 
the perception and the consciousness is that there is no self in any of it. Many people identify who I am is my past. Okay, who I am is my past. Well, yes, if that's true, then what we're actually saying is, is who I am is the sum total of all the lies I've been told. And a few bits of truth sprinkled in that I've had to figure out on my own. So, um, the, the fact is, is no, everybody's a moving target. That that's a delusion to think that we are who we used to be. But we're all moving targets. Hello, Ron. Hey, how's it going? Oh, I didn't know it was. <laughs> Playing with rituals again there, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yes, glad to see you. We glad were talking about dependent origination and how um, that the five aggregates fit in exactly into dependent origination, which is basically what we're talking about is, is that it's not a cause and effect, but it's more of mutual conditionalities. And when we understand it that way, it's much easier to work with, because in fact, you can think of it like this, that the, uh, the five aggregates that we're beginning to discuss are just an adaptation of the four foundations of mindfulness, the Satipatthana, which is the body, the feeling, the mind, and the mind's objects. But here, we're not working with the mind objects because the mind objects are the product of the other three, which are real things. And that yeah. these three things are actually, one of them is broken down into three groups. We're still talking about Patichas uh, Samupada and the five aggregates and uh, the four foundations of mindfulness all at the same time because we're talking about all of the, you know, this is it. It's just three different ways of, of looking at it. Sort of like good in the beginning, the Satipatthana, good in the middle, the five aggregates, and good in the end would be Patichas Samupada and how all of this stuff fits in together. So, these five aggregates, there is the important point is, is that the, the individually there is no self there. Let's use the example of the self being transportation that is what a car does. And this is an adaptation with uh, uh, in the suttas where uh, uh, Nagasena uh, was taking a chariot apart, but we're going to take a car apart because a chariot the quality of a chariot or a car is, is that it has a form of transportation. But if you take that chariot apart, where is the chariot? If the chariotness is the transportation itself. Okay, so then now we're talking about the distinction between structure and function. There is the structure, in fact, the structure of the brain, and then there's the functions, and the functions have to do with the structure of the brain and how they interrelate. Just like the functions of all of these components, the structure of the automobile come together in certain ways to create transportation. Okay, 
And so when we put these five aggregates together, the outcome then is the self, me, but the constituent components, there is no self in there anywhere. That's the important point. In other words, I am not my memories. And many people confuse that. A lot of people say, oh, well, when I was five years old, not recognizing, no, that was just a child. You just happen to have a lot of memories of that child right in the present. But you are not that child. Not one molecule in your body, not one uh, uh, cell is the same, not one neuron is still existing, nothing about you. I'm sorry, you you froze there. Can you say again? I said it's just the brain that remembers. Ah, it's just data. The brain is a concept. Yes, absolutely. Well, actually, no, the brain is physical. The mind is just a concept. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Brain but, is yeah. physical. But you experience the mind, you don't experience the brain. Well, you, you can look at a brain, you can look Isn't at Isn't that brain. interesting? Right, here's something really funny. Can a camera take a picture of itself? No. Well, not without a mirror. Right. But now you've added a distortion. You've added a reflection. It's not so. The answer is cameras can't take a picture of themselves. It doesn't matter what you do. Well, that same thing with the brain and the mind. You, the brain, the mind cannot see the brain. Mm. It cannot see the structure in which it lives in. It's just the function. That's almost the same as the ticking of the clock is unaware of the clock. All it's doing is ticking. And it thinks magically that there's no clock there. Or in the case of the humans, we think magically that the ticking of the of the mind is me, which is the body. And a lot of people get confused that I am the body. And you can see, in fact, that the uh, I am the body makes a lot of business, a lot of money. How, look how many industries are uh, in business simply because of people under the delusion I am the body. How about the cosmetic industry? How about the shoe industry? How about the bag industry? How about the uh, 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 fashion industry as a whole? And cosmetics and uh, uh, hair salons and uh, the list goes on all the way down to, in many cases, medical doctors and pills and dieting and food supplements. And yada, 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 I would say maybe 30 to 40% of our entire economy is based upon I am the body delusion that people have. All right. Now, we can see instead that it's not I am the body, but rather I, whoever I am, which is not the point, am the custodian and the, and the guest in the body. And it is my job to take care of this body. You know how I like to see it? It's like oh. a... a experience up. taking place in a way. Yeah, say, say, again. say it again. You broke up. I said, awareness is not an experience happening in the body. 
the body is an experience happening in awareness. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's very Hindu, but it's very true. The body is actually nothing but a concept. Yeah. That, My body is a concept. That's what I said. There is a physical body, but most of the time we think of it conceptually. So we also see that the feelings that arise are not me. People will go around in our uh, community saying, I am angry, or I'm frustrated, or I'm sad, or I'm joyful. But in fact, uh, sadness just comes and goes. Why does it have to come with a self? How about anger? When I am angry, what does that mean? That the I is just sitting there and whatever emotion comes up, the I just becomes that emotion. If that's the case, then the emotions run the show, not the I. And so that's delusional to say I am angry. You couldn't possibly say that. The more correct thing to say is, is that I see anger. Or there is anger is even more correct. There is anger. <laughs> yeah, I'm I know what to feel like when I feel angry, when I feel angry. You hear that? So the point is is that there is no I in the feelings, there's no I in the body. And then the one that's the kind of tough one for most of us is the I am not the consciousness. That in fact, this is a, a major sutta, number 38, that is actually a major teaching on the Petita Samapada, starts off with uh, Sati son of a fisherman confusing that it is consciousness that runs and goes from place to place, experiencing the results of good and past actions from the past. So uh, the Buddha actually uh, called him. Uh, forgot the word in the poly for it. Uh, basically, uh, a doof or an idiot. And then he asked the monks around, uh, does, does Sati have even a shred of wisdom? And the monks all says, not a shred. He's off. No, that in fact, the uh, consciousness is not who I am. And yet this is actually a major teaching in Christianity. Who is it? Or what is it that goes to heaven? Well, they'll say immediately and right off, it's a soul, right? But a soul by itself, if a soul is what it looks like it is, it's got no eyes, it's got no ears, it's got no legs, it's got no walking around abilities at all. How would a soul know that it's in heaven if it arrives there? It's a very interesting question. Oh, it's because in my mind, perceiving heaven now, I perceive that me has ability to see, which is this uh, sight consciousness or the ability to hear or the ability to feel. I know that I'm in heaven because I can see it, feel it, experience it. Right. OK, well, here's the point is that that's just merely a concept. That, uh, that whatever a soul is, it's got no eyes. 
Now, before satellites, and still even with satellites, because in satellites they've got no eyes, satellites have cameras. We need to know the difference between a camera and an eye. But they talk about eyes in the sky. There's no eyes in the sky. There is nothing watching your location. Not a god, at least. Not a comma machine, for sure. That in fact, actions and reactions happen because of the way the, of the mind functioning. And the reality is, is that consciousness itself is dependently arising. What do we mean by dependently arising is, is that eyes require light. It requires an object. And that is what we mean by eye consciousness is seeing. That's something that a camera kind of simulates. But this camera can't go any further than that kind of seeing. In other words, now it takes basically AI to interpret, is this a face? And if it is, who in my database does this face closely match? And so I can come up with an identification. Okay. Once that identification is made, that's a new kind of consciousness. Now I know what it is. So an example of consciousness in this regard is, is that I look out and I say, I see a tree. And when I get a tree in my mind, that's already processed. That what I saw with the eye of sight, the consciousness was just an object. The eyes did that seeing. And now a new process has to occur. And that new process is what we call perception are making sense out of it, are making it a name. We name an object. We put a handle on it. Okay, the handle that we put on things is actually not actually on that thing. And these handles is how we store our memories. And so much of this is actually mental creations. <laughs> and uh, this mental creation system that we have is called perception. And perception requires input from consciousness, the ear, the eye, the nose, all of that stuff. And uh, the memory base, the Sankara, to make sense out of it based upon our past. And we come up with something new. Well, that's something new that we have in the in Samapada is called the Salayatana. But that's a product of all of these five aggregates the body, which houses the eyes, the, uh, uh, the feelings, which is the chemistry of the body and uh, chemistry of the brain. That's all feelings are. It's just whatever chemicals you've got going on. You either got some acid or you've got some base or you've got some water. Up to you. Okay. And then um, the... Perception is just a mechanism, but it's not you. You're not consciousness. Consciousness is dependently arising. Sometimes we're looking at the house. Sometimes we're looking at the car. Sometimes we're looking at the girl. Sometimes the laptop. And each one of those is a different consciousness. But when we're asleep at night or when the eyes are closed, we have no eye consciousness going on. Interesting. So there's, there's nothing there. There's no self there's no essence to it it's just a process and so now we have 
all five of those areas, not one self in there, but when we put those together, it creates a mental image or a conception or a thought or whatever like that in the mind. And that thought then is what affects us. Okay. It's the brain's reaction to the raw sensations. Mm -hmm. and that's and what we're attached to. Exactly. And so that is uh, that saliatana or that internal representation of the external thing that we get. That is then called pasa or contact. And often that contact is strong and sometimes it's weak. It depends upon how we react to our internal image, but how we react was based upon the Sankara or our past anyway. So that the, the way that we're going to react to this is more than likely how we had reacted before, because that's how the Sankara was fed into the Salayatana through perception. Well, I thought of something that's okay. kind of, uh, it's kind of Hindu, but you what it kind of reminded me of it that um, Sankara is the belief or trying to get happiness from uh, Nama Rupa or name and form. Mm -hmm. So uh, anything that can be viewed as having a form or a name, including consciousness, is ultimately like a mirage or an illusion that's made out of emptiness where the happiness is the emptiness that all the names and the forms are arisen from. So it's kind of like, a the, there are all the names and forms are already imbued with the happiness that you're searching for. But if you try to get it out of a specific thing, like in the world or a specific mind state or specific, mm -hmm. um, desire it, it's just the endless it'll be endless cycle of suffering that just goes on forever <laughs> we can call that doing the same thing over and over again expecting yeah. a new result or another way of saying it if at first you don't succeed try try again all right that and that keeps us sad and depressed and unhappy expecting new results and never getting them because we're not looking at what we're doing. And so this and so this is why this teaching is there so we can begin to see how the mind works so that we can look at what we're doing and recognizing that oh everything that ever has contacted me was something that I invented from the scratch very very little real input and a whole lot of processing and a whole lot of storage going on and what we need to do is to reverse that process so that we have a whole lot of input going on not much processing and not much results just enjoying the show be surprised at the end of the murder mystery you don't have to figure it out through the book just enjoy it just enjoy the murder mystery. <laughs> but it's usually going to be uh, the person who seems the least likely to do it. Well, that's the whole reason that they do the books like that is to make it hard for people to guess. So they really get into trying to guess really hard. It's a game the, between the author and the reader. 
And the answer is, is that if you don't play that game, then what's the point of reading the novel? So after a few of those, and we just wait to the end and watch the show, we recognize that show's not much worth watching. Let's go find better shows. And so we actually in, increase or improve our um, mental state rather than getting trapped in trying to figure out who done it. Which is actually a game that we play often without the novel. We play the blame game. We play who done it in our own minds. We're trying to find a villain who has victimized us because we feel like a victim. We feel like a, a loser. But every child starts off as a loser. Every child starts off completely dependent. And in fact, when that is driven home strongly for the child, they get a very heavy dependency that is called um, um, abandonment issue. Okay, they feel like they're going to be abandoned. Well, all of us feel abandoned a little bit. Because when we were born, we were nurtured. But then about age four to six, mommy put us to work, told us to go to school. Mommy abandoned us. She took a job. That kind of thing. And so we all kind of feel abandoned a little bit. And we're always looking for how to fulfill that. That's one of the driving forces for finding a mate. It's because we're trying to find and plug that hole that uh, happened when we were kids. And that hole is actually another way or a conceptual way of looking at that hole or that loss or that dependency is that we're we've been in the attitude of a victim i'm missing something i need something and so that whole neediness that happens in childhood is the sand car that we build up and so the practice that we're going to uh perform is to make new sand car so that when we process newly, we come up with new results. This is why we have to practice it over and over and over again. It's basically like saying that we want to make uh, hamburgers, and the only way we know how to make hamburgers is by throwing hamburgers in the sewer. Well, guess what? If you throw enough hamburgers in that sewer, you're going to have the whole top layer of the uh, sewer as hamburgers. And you don't have to worry about the sewer that's underneath it. You can just deal with a big pile of hamburgers that you've thrown in on top of the pile. So therefore, when you go after into that sewer to get something, the first thing you're going to come up with is a delicious hamburger. Does that make sense? In other words, we have to reprogram it, but uh, the we have to actually then cover over our sewer of childhood with a new layer of memory. Mm -hmm. And so we have to keep adding that layer and adding that layer and adding that layer so that pretty soon it's a, it's a good, healthy mix. And then later than that, the whole top layer is nothing but hamburgers. Hamburgers. <laughs> well, this, this is the way of looking at the Sankara that we're going to be using all of our past in order to perceive this moment. And the better material that we use to to uh, help facilitate our perception, then the more likely we're going to have a delicious outcome. Because what we normally do is we see a hamburger and we wind up in experiencing sewage. 
Now we're going to start seeing more and more hamburgers, and this time we're going to start layering the hamburgers of the memory into the top of the sewer so that we have more and more hamburgers. This is uh, uh, how our memory base works. We're going to layer the top of it with good, wholesome thoughts and good, wholesome feelings and good, wholesome uh, ways of uh, doing things over and over again so that whatever the moment brings to us, if we can remember, oh, I'm going to get hamburgers, not sewage, out of this memory system. And so this is why I talk about the um, uh, the the way that the mind works is wind up in the feelings. If we have wise feelings, then we can choose what to do with this feeling. But if the feeling is ignorant, in other words, we're getting old past stuff up then those feelings that arise are going to lead us, because of their ignorance, into wanting, into needing, and right back down into the same sewer that caused all of the garbage in the first place. But if we are wise at that point of contact, when we can see that, oh, I have a choice about the way that I feel, in the sense of I can like it, but I don't want it. Or, I don't like it, but I can put up with it. Or another way of saying, uh, which we worked with Alex yesterday, was the idea of, I can be satisfied even if I don't get what I want. That's the place to change it. If we can't change it at the point of liking, to just like it and let it go, and it doesn't matter whether I get it or not, because I don't really want it. But if I do want it, I can still be satisfied with the fact that I'm not going to get what I want. I don't have to keep going after it. That keep going after it is what we call the uh, uh, upadana, or the trying too hard to get something. What about if you're not satisfied, accepting that you're not satisfied? Well, that's a little bit of satisfaction to become satisfied with the fact that you know that you're not satisfied. At least find exactly. a little bit of satisfaction in there. Yeah, I don't like it at all, but that's okay. Yeah. I can handle that. Because yeah. I feel like, at least for me, a, a mind trap would be almost like I wouldn't be satisfied and I would try to tell myself that I was Ah, yes, but then you can say, oh, I see you, mind trap, too. Let's and actually have some real satisfaction. <laughs> yeah, I can see those mind traps. I can see myself yeah. lying to myself. I can see myself doing those, uh, um, um, what do they call it, uh, affirmations. Yeah, I'm so beautiful. <laughs> I'm so gorgeous, you know. I'm the best runner at school. All of those kind of I, me's, and minds that are in there. Yeah, you want to for those ideas. Rather than... <laughs> yeah, affirmations are just another pack of lies, like politics. <laughs> or the fashion industry, just a pack of lies. That in fact, clothing is a pack of lies. Why are you guys wearing clothing? 
don't you know how expensive it is? I mean, especially the look at the people who work really hard and not get very well paid. And how long do your clothes last? When I put on a shirt, I can't put one on this more than or this less than 10 years old. <laughs> I bought some shirts when I disrobed and I haven't bought any shirts since then. <laughs> Don't wear them much. So that's yeah, the point. I think, okay. I think it can be fun dressing up sometimes. Uh huh. Well, here's the point. I think it's warm and clothes. Well, wait a minute. Not necessarily. But what if you can appreciate them without attachment to them? Ah, that's another point. But the point is, is that you wear the clothing because you're supposed to. That's well, a yeah. Sankara. It's a rule. You're supposed to wear clothes. But just because I'm supposed to doesn't mean I can't enjoy it. Now, that's wisdom. But many people wear clothes and then they have to get more clothes and then they have to go fashion shopping and I am the clothing. Yeah, that's the trap that, that they want true. you to go down to. Okay. And so uh, congratulations, Ron. You are not your clothing. You're not even the body that wears the clothing. You're just a concept. Descartes missed the point. You know Descartes? I think, therefore I yeah. am. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Actually, he missed the point. A better statement would be, I think, therefore I think I am. Yeah, yeah his problems he associated <laughs> thinking with being. Uh-huh. Exactly. He's mis he's making the mistake of the distinction between thinking and the being, the self that does the thinking. So rookie mistake. This, so this is this is the whole practice of Paticca Samupada. Hello, Robert. Hi, Robert. Hey, guys. Good to see you. So Scott's been drilling me on Paticca Samupada for the past 40 minutes or so. <laughs> and Great. so uh, uh, to go back uh, for a little review now that uh, we're not talking about causality let's back up and pack one point about causality and that is is that when that you you know the uh often used uh, example of the domino that falls on the other domino right well that's because of a whole lot of conditions one of the conditions is gravity but if you kick this domino, it may not, in fact, go hit that other domino. It may float off into the air. Let us say that it does hit that other domino, and then that domino just floats off someplace. No, gravity is a condition that is necessary for one domino to hit another one. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, there's a whole lot of conditionings in there. And so when we recognize that the mind has multiple conditionings and multiple feedback loops. Go ahead, Scott. You got a question. Um, yeah, so I was I was that was making me think like so the importance about this understanding of um causes and conditionings is to understand ultimately that um consciousness and perception uh arise uh because of certain causes and conditions and that they can they 
it can uh, disappear or uh, have a cessation if those causes and conditions go away. And then what's even more important about that is that um, when uh, consciousness and perception comes back, that suffering is also seen as an aspect within uh, these other phenomena that also has cause and conditions. Mm -hmm. So you can reprogram the causes and conditions for suffering so you don't have to, uh, so you can enjoy life. And, ah, you know. exactly. And the funny part about it is, is that we can change the cause and conditions on every particular step of Petitra Samapada. Okay. That a bar fight, people will eventually wake up in the anger stage before they get into physical contact. And sometimes after the brawl starts, other people will break it up. But if you don't ever break it up, somebody's going to die. Okay. When does it get broken up? Someplace along that stage of Petitya Samapada. That things will escalate and get worse and get worse and get worse until somebody finally wakes up. A really good example of that is, is that the boyfriend and the girlfriend are having a great big fight and argument and he says something and then he recognized what a stupid thing he said. I did that. And then he runs to the door, walks out and slams the door on his way out. Right. He wants to break it off. He's recognized he's gone too far. That happens in every argument. We eventually recognize that we've gone too far. We've escalated it too far. That's one of the reasons why psychotherapists know how to um, overescalate in a way that puts a stop to the escalation. In other words, you can't just let the, the client continue to escalate because that's, you know, just going to cause an argument or whatever like that. So that's why the psychologist will do things like take a hike or uh, break it off in some other way. So uh, it's. Hello, is he frozen? I think he's frozen. Yeah. Are you? Are is he frozen for you guys too? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Um. Should we do? How's your night going? Oh, my. Uh, good. How about you? <laughs> How about you? I'm pretty good. No, he just got back from a hike, so that was great. Nice. What are you guys up to tonight? Oh, uh, we're here on Whidbey Island in Washington State, so it's like this really nice rural island. So there's some some trails nearby. So it was just really great. We took our two dogs, my girlfriend and I, and it was just it was it was awesome. 